Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Thanks, Alex. Of course we'll have you. Grateful for you. Grateful for Gil, who's behind the scenes here, making all these things happen. Grateful for you guys who are here watching with us this morning, those who will watch later. Thankful that you are uh, allowing us to still be a part of this community, the way it looks now, being so different from what we are used to. And I pray that we continue to press into what we can do uh, to make things better uh, as far as connecting with one another. I want to remind you that tonight at 5 o'clock on Instagram, we are going to be doing Take Two. Take Two is really kind of going over some of the things that I have, I'm going to go over this morning and getting a little bit of feedback. Uh, Randy is going to be joining me again this evening, and so I hope you will join in as well. Remember, you can comment and ask questions as well uh, so that we can engage in that way. But it's good having a little bit broader discussion than just me sharing my thoughts. It's good to get other people's feedback and thoughts, and so that's what we're doing uh, Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. Also, we're doing the meditative prayer also on Instagram Live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. And so it's just a short time of prayer. We're going through the Beatitudes and meditating on them, thinking about how they are to be present in our lives. And so I hope you guys will join us for that as well. It's not very long. It might be 15, 20 minutes, and that's about it. Um, A couple of other things that are taking place I want to make you aware of. Uh, Rachel Newell has started a fund me for Kirk with some dental issues that he is facing and cost to get that fixed. Uh, if you would like to participate in that, you can go to her Facebook page, or I think I've posted on my Facebook page. And if you want to help out so that Kirk can get the surgery that he needs, um, and provide for that, you can do so there. Also, we are wanting to develop a COVID compassion project. And this isn't completely developed yet, but one of the things that we are looking to do is extend ourselves to those who are hurting. Uh, Brianna shared this that someone posted. I'm going to read it to you. And this is something that thinking that we will be able to post on our pages, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, wherever it is, maybe even sending out to some people you know. It says, California shut down some businesses again. If anyone is not working, not getting a paycheck, and runs in out of food or necessity or times are just tough, 
Please don't let your kids go to sleep with an empty stomach. Don't be afraid or embarrassed to send me a private message. We are more than happy to share whatever we can. We will drop and go. No one has to know, and we will pretend it never happened. We're here to help, and someday, when times are better, you will be able to pay it forward. This is join the cause, and it's something that maybe we can each step into. And if a need comes that you get and you can't personally help out, you can extend that message to us here at Genesis and we will do what we can to try and meet that need. Even as we uh, got together and raised money to give those gift bags to the Upland Police Department with the gift cards from the local businesses in the city. I believe we can do something like that to meet the needs as they arise. And who knows what's going to happen in the future? Who knows how things play forward and what needs might arise? This is just one way that we are thinking we can step into uh, the problems that are there. There are other things that we are talking about doing, and we can let you know more about those as they develop. Uh, Maybe as people are waiting in lines to get into the bank, we can take water to the people that are there, have our masks, do it in a way that is safe, but still extend some kind of care and help to people who are in difficult situations and very uncomfortable through this period of time. We're trying to be present. At this time, when everyone's wearing masks, you can't see if someone's smiling at you or not. People are really wondering maybe what to say or what can be say said because things have become very divisive. Maybe we can be a, a voice of peace and maybe we can smile through our eyes to people and through our actions. And so these are things that we are moving forward to try and do to be present in our community and in the lives of those who are around us. Again, also, if you would like to be a part of the newsletter, send an email to us at info at thegenesisstory.com, and we will put you on the newsletter list and email that to you as time goes on. We'll probably be posting that, too, on our website or on our Facebook page or wherever we can uh, so that you are able to get those things as well. Um, also want to remind you that you can continue to give to us online at thegenesisstory.com. We've got a list of all the different ways that you can continue to give towards uh, Genesis, whether it be through the bank app, through Venmo, uh, mailing it here to the building. All these things are available. And again, we appreciate uh, your continuing to give so that we can continue doing what we are doing, and our desire is to want to do more. Um, Again, there's a lot of things that have been paused because of COVID and what's happening, but we do want to step into doing more as we can. So all those things happening, try and stay connected, try and reach out to people, uh, give people a call who you haven't talked to in a while, you haven't seen, maybe you haven't seen online, or if you see someone going through something, uh, reach out, have a cup of coffee, wear your mask if you want, you know, meet at a distance, but reach out and connect with people. At least this week, try and connect with two people, 
right? Make a phone call, talk to a couple people, see how you're doing, what things are going on in your life, maybe get together if you feel comfortable in doing something like that. But it's up to us to extend ourselves to those around us. That's what makes a community. Remember, we never thought that we went to church. We always have said we are the church. So this is a great opportunity for us to be just that. I am continuing through the book of Daniel, and today we are in chapter 2, so you can open up to Daniel chapter 2, and, and I've entitled this series, Unmoved, and in a time where things are moving so much, I thought it would be a great chance to look at a time in history where things were very tumultuous, especially for Daniel, who has moved from being in a place of privilege in Israel to being in exile and basically enslaved in the Babylonian Empire. And I hope that the things I share this morning give you an incredible hunger to read the scriptures that this Sunday's talk cannot satisfy. I hope that you are wanting to know more, wanting to get more than we are able to give. This would be just an appetizer to the meal you would have with God. A quick review. Remember, we talked about not losing faith at the end of this story, that God is doing something that is going to take place and we can't Look at our situation, whatever it was for Daniel and whatever it is for us, and get paralyzed, get stuck, not continue to press in to what God wants to do. We, we talked about the effects of culture and two questions that we want to ask. How have we let culture name you and how have we let culture tame you, right? How are we being affected by the world around us and with those questions of culture, we want to continue, right, pressing into these things so that we can actually be people who shape culture and not just be shaped by it. We continue into the belly of the beast of Babylon's culture, right? It's a pivotal moment in how the nation would redefine its story, the nation of Israel. Remember, the book was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. And so there are going to be a lot of things that we are going to have to look at from their perspective so it has a little bit more clarity where we are standing here today. It's taking place during and written most likely after the nation of Israel's exile to Babylon. In other words, this book is written looking back at some of the things that have happened, trying to give an understanding to them where they are. The visions, the dreams we're going to be reading about, like those in the book of Revelation, are first for those living in the time they were written and then find application from there. And it's important to understand that as we look to this so that we don't pull things out and just manipulate them for our own purposes. Let's start with verse one. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. 
Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show you the interpretation. Remember again, this is written to a people whose idea of dreams, signs, and omens were very important. It was how the gods spoke to them. And it was seen in the change of weather. Uh, Events of nature would give them an understanding the gods must be talking to us. Unusual births, right? Even things that happen with dreams and visions. There were advisors who were trained in these things, who were, were trained to give insight. There were books that they would go to to say, what do you interpret when this happens in this way? And we see these things taking place. Their charts, their books used to guide them before the kings in these areas. Interestingly, it's right here at verse four that the language changes from Hebrew to Aramaic. And starting at verse five, that change happens and it'll switch again to Hebrew in chapter eight. Why? What's going on here? And we can only speculate. No one knows for sure, but it seems that the author who is fluent in both languages is wanting to show some sort of globalization taking place of understanding God is at work, not just in the smaller nation of Israel, but also in the larger nation of Babylon and the world, because this was the language that they used. This book is meant for the Hebrew people, but it is also meant for the world. It also shows the writer's ability to adapt fully to the culture that he finds himself in, to communicate clearly where he is and not just where he is from. Remember last week we talked about the powerful force of culture. Culture is something that affects us in different ways. And we listed four things of how we engage it. We can either mindlessly consume it, pompously condemn it, lazily copy it, or consciously create it. And that's what we see happening here. He is taking their language and is using that language as a vehicle to communicate something that is taking place. Continuing in verse five, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show the dream and its interpretations, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dreams and its interpretation. I think this is a good place to pause and say out loud, the king is crazy. This is a good time to stop and acknowledge what he is asking is totally unreasonable. This is like you going to the doctor and the doctor says, tell me what's going on. What are your symptoms? And you saying, no, you tell me my symptoms and then you tell me my cure. If you're a doctor, Why don't you tell me what's wrong with me? How do they know unless you give them something, right? And so the king is throwing this out there and let that sink in, right? He's telling them, you need to tell me what I dreamed. And notice what he says. If you don't, I'm gonna tear you limb for limb, 
oh, and by the way, I'm also going to kill your family, okay? This is where the story is taking place. This is where Daniel finds himself because this is going to affect him because he has been brought into this place. And so the king has no problem killing these people who are before him and those who are on the court who are also a part of the same thing. Now, I just want to let this sink in because Babylon has come and gone and this king who had this mentality has come and gone. And, and I don't care. Well, I, I shouldn't say I don't care. It doesn't matter how much you dislike Governor Newsom or President Trump. Can we agree they are not this? That no one is trying to commit this kind of barbarism, this kind of action. It's not just interpreted a dream. It's I'll tear you apart if you don't do what I say. I will kill you limb from limb and your family. Now, I bring this comparison in because Babylon, the great empire, and this king who was the greatest person in the world at the time made these threats. And these threats came and went. And we are here today looking back on them. Someday we are going to look back on today in history. And there'll be Netflix documentaries on it, I'm sure. There already are. But if we get so caught up that we don't fail to see that there is more happening and going to happen, we will lose our ability to see a bigger picture of what is happening. Now, why did the king do this? Maybe he couldn't remember the dream, right? Have you ever like woke up and you had a dream and you don't remember it, and but you were kind of troubled by it? Maybe that was the case. He, he wasn't sure. Maybe, as we'll see, he just doesn't trust his advisors. Right? Maybe it's like, well, I, you guys are just going to tell me something. How do I know you really have insight into what's happening? And, and so we see he has kind of this objection in verse 7. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will show you its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time. You bet they were. Because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, this is not a man, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Here is a huge plot line that's going to carry us through this book of Daniel and the contrast between the gods of Babylon and the God of Daniel. The gods of Babylon, whose dwelling is not with flesh, and the God of Daniel, who dwells with his people. And this is an important theme 
to take hold of here as they present it and as it begins to unfold. Remember, we talked about three weeks ago this idea of providence. And I tried to speak about our posture during this time in our history. And and I, I want to repeat it kind of for my own vindication just so that there was not there would not be an, an idea that I am anyway taking a position of stoic indifference, right? That I am saying, oh, well, it doesn't matter what's going on in our country. We just got a case, sirrah, sirrah, we'll be what we be, we'll be. That's not the posture that the church has taken, but the posture that they have taken is one of responsibility. Remember Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. This is a call for us to recognize that we are called to work with God, knowing that God is at work in us. And that this work takes place in suffering and difficulty, which James talked about, right? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials of various kinds. The verses that Paul talked about who are called according to his purpose in Romans, we saw that that was not just for those who are called, but those who are called with. It's important to see our participation in these things, that God called them to be part of his saving purpose for the suffering world. We might not have words to speak, but we have work to do in healing and teaching and comforting those in pain. These all grow out of our empathy, our sorrow, and not just a position of judgment. Paul giving us is giving us a Jesus-shaped picture of suffering, redeeming providence. And I want us to take that with us into these passages here. God not only dwells with his people, but inhabits them and uses them to accomplish his will as it is in heaven. And here is Daniel in this place having to step in to this situation. So what happens? Verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. That would include Daniel. Remember, we saw that in the last chapter. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Right? This is coming down to the wire. Then Daniel replied to the with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise man of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree to the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. God reveals to Nebuchadnezzar right? This is a pivotal place where Daniel doesn't know what's going on. He gets word they're coming to kill not only us, but all then. He goes, why? What's going on? And notice in verse 14, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. This reminds us of another time in Israel's history when they were enslaved in Egypt. And Joseph, like Daniel, found his way into 
the palace. Dreams were thought to be a place where God spoke, and that was both in the Babylonian culture as well as in that of the Jews. And, and this now becomes an opportunity for Daniel to connect with the king, and he does it with prudence, wisdom, and discretion, with tact. I think that's important. Now, Daniel has to deal with it with prudence and with tact at this point. He has to be discreet because of his position. He's enslaved. He, he can't go there and say, hey, what's the meaning of this? If he doesn't do this, it's his head. But to have influence like Joseph did and like Daniel does, what we need to do is find that common ground to move forward with wisdom and tact. Here it was the dream. Jesus says we are to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Right? We are to engage with people in a way that can connect to them. Dreams are the way that Daniel is going to do it. And again, it was something prominent in that culture. Remember who it is written to. And so this is the canvas that is being used. I used to spend so much time worrying about what God wanted me to do. God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me? Do you want me to, to be a pastor? God, do you want me to, to be a Do you want me to go to this church? Do you want me to go to this place? God, what do you want me to do? And, and I realized really that it's more important, God, who do you want me to be? So that when what you want to be done comes before me, I'm able to do it. Right? I'm able to have the character, the fortitude to step into what you're asking to be done because I have become the person I need to be. And that's really what we see happening in, in Daniel, right? Crisis shapes character and it also reveals us. In, in hard times, we will respond out of the character that is built in us. And maybe you're seeing that happen in your own life, right? We're going through so much and our nerves are getting frayed and we are becoming, you know, more abrupt in some things or more impatient in some things. What's going on? Well, that's a revelation of character that's happening within us. It happened to me when I had kids. I never realized how impatient I was until I had children and had to be patient, right? It, it, it formed in me something. And that's what I think is happening. I don't know how many times I thought I had the answer to the problem by giving right information. But in the end, it is my character that will land me a seat at the table, not my knowledge. It, it has to do with that. Then comes the other Paul said, we sometimes tend to think we know all we need to know and to answer these kinds of questions, but sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. That's 1 Corinthians 8, the message translation, right? Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. Sometimes our humble heart can help us more than our proud mind. Here we see Daniel with discretion, with tact, with wisdom. This is how we become unmoved, is by becoming the people 
that we need to be for the situation that we will find ourselves in. We are people who walk in integrity no matter the pressure, authentic no matter the audience, responsible no matter the cost, thick skin and soft hearts, gentle words to find the place to move forward. Going on in verse 17, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the men of Babylon. Here we see that Daniel doesn't step into this alone, like Esther, like David, like Paul, and even like Jesus. He is not a loner. He he is not doing this by himself right? Esther had a plea when she had to go to the king and present this case. If I die, I die, right? But she didn't just go there on her own. She first set this out to Mordecai and the others around her so that they could understand what is going on. How do we step into it? Let's pray. Let's intercede. And that's what he does with his friends, right? We need people, we, we need to exercise this community that we have. Paul uses the, the symbolism of a body that we are joined together and the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We can't say to one another, I don't need you, right? I may not like you sometimes, but I need you, right? I might disagree with you sometimes, but I need you. We are in this together. We are family and we're supposed to move forward together and we are there for each other, to help each other move along. And and that happens in so many ways, but who is in your circle? Who has a voice into your life? Whose voice do you have in someone else's life? And if you don't, then this is an area of development that needs to take place where we need to be connected to more people and not isolated. So many times we have grown into a place where I hear someone tell me what I need to know and then it ends there, right? There is no dynamic connection between us and what we are learning or how we are growing. There is just the receiving of information and then it ends there. It doesn't pass along to one another like it should. Who do we have around us? Not just to complain about things, but to entrust to prayer. Who do we have around us that we can call and say, I need prayer for this situation because my son, my cousin, my husband, my name the person, name the situation. I've lost my job. I'm faced with a decision. Who can you go to and say, help me? Give me wisdom, give me input, give me prayer. Because I love what he says here. Ask or seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. This is a mystery. We don't know what it is. Let's seek mercy. What a beautiful picture. Goes on in verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. I love this. After they're seeking God for mercy for this mystery, the mystery is revealed 
And look at Daniel's response. Daniel answered and said, verse 20, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Beautiful. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel responds to the mystery revealed with thankfulness and awe. There is a humility and a grateful attitude that starts to dominate and he starts in response to these things. He goes on in verse 24, or it goes on. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen and its interpretation? I love that question. It's like, really? You can do that? It's almost like the king doesn't believe it, right? And Daniel answered and said to him, no, wise man enchanters, magician, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery of the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later days. Daniel is clear that there is a deficiency in the human ability to understand the deep mysteries, that there are things that are beyond our ability to know. No wise man, no enchanter, no magician or astrologer. Might add, there's no pastor, right? There's no person who's able to know these kinds of things to reveal the deep mysteries. But there is a God in heaven. Now, This should make it perfectly clear to us that in heaven does not mean in the clouds someplace far away. The God who is near and who is in heaven is the one and same God, right? There is a God in heaven. In other words, it's talking about a realm, not a distance away, although that can seem like a distance away. Think about this. Daniel has spent three years learning the language, the customs of the Chaldeans before approaching the king. Three years. He spent time asking God for the answer to the mysteries of the future before opening his mouth. We are living in unprecedented times, maybe before opening our mouths and adding to the noise around us. We need to spend time learning all that we can, not, not just from one source, but from many sources. Maybe what we need to do is develop empathy for those who are hurting in this situation to understand why they are speaking in the ways that they are speaking. 
We need to spend time seeking God to give us insight into not only what is true, but what needs to be done with what is true. Because no wise man, right, no political party has the answer for the mystery that faces us. But there is a God in heaven who is near, who who gives insight and wisdom to those who ask. And we need that wisdom and we need that tact. Daniel continues, your dream and the vision of your head as you lay on your bed are these. Verse 29, to you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be? But as for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image, this image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you. And its appearance was frightening. The head was the image of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze and its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and gold all together were broken in pieces and became like a chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. For a period of my life, I was involved with a small Pentecostal church. And we used to have prophecy nights where we would bring evangelists in from different places. And they would come in, some of them, and have these huge boards. They'd be like six foot tall and they would go through the whole stage and they'd be this timeline. And I can remember those of Daniel and I can remember those in the book of Revelation and it was explaining every little thing that was supposed to be taking place, right? And then they would get to a passage like this and they would go into explanations of why the gold meant Babylon and why the silver was the the Medes and why the brass was the Persian or sometimes the Greek and then the legs of iron were the Roman Empire, and they would try and, you know, really dissect all these things and give all this information of why they believe this. And, you know, we definitely can see there's a Bronze Age and Iron Age. There's a development here. But the governments that we want to associate with these can change depending on where we are in history. I think what we can look at here, the interpretation, instead of it just changing with the information that we have, There's an important point that I think is picked up in the book of Revelation when we went through it. And instead, you know, thinking of how minute this is supposed to be, like, is this meant for the Jewish people living at 166 BC under Antiochus Epiphanes? Or is it meant for those under Rome when the temple was destroyed? Is this 
a future event waiting to happen in some future temple someday? And, and I think the answer to all these things in some ways is yes. More important than the timeline of all these things in the message It's the fact that there is a rock not cut with human hands that uproots, overthrows these oppressive, tyrannical systems. This is what Jesus' whole ministry was about, the kingdom of God. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, right? It's this small thing that grows and then spreads. It's like a treasure hidden in the field. The whole idea of the kingdom of God, it was other than. You you wanted people to lord over you, right? And that's not how it's going to be. But if you want to be great in the kingdom, learn to be the servant of all, right? Jesus rides in triumphantly, not on a white horse, but on a donkey, And then is crucified. That dream, instead of focusing on it and looking to dissect it, I think we should look at the big picture, especially from where they were at that time, enslaved and exile. And the picture is, yeah, your kingdom and all these other big kingdoms that will come after, even if we are still enslaved to them, one day they are going to come to nothing. And the kingdom of God is going to come. The chief stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and that's Christ. This is his kingdom. That's what we are connecting ourselves to. And it's an important reminder, I think, at times like this, that this is our identity. This is who we are. This is what we live for. This is what we want to see accomplished. The empires will come. Kings will come. Kings will go. But the kingdom of God Those who do the will of God will abide forever. Nebuchadnezzar in verse 46 fell upon his face, paid homage to Daniel. How do you receive that when you are a young Israelite and you are aware of the improper response that is being done towards you? Daniel doesn't say anything. He allows this to go. He doesn't say, get up, king. You're not allowed to do that. I'm just a man. This happens. It might have been an uncomfortable situation, but it happens. He commands the king that an offering and an incense be offered to him, to Daniel. In other words, we're going to give worship to you, Daniel. Just let that sit in how awkward this situation is for a young Israelite. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God, is God of gods and Lord of kings and the revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief perfect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. So many interesting things here. One, I think it's interesting that early on when Daniel goes to his friends, he uses their Hebrew names, but now there is their Babylonian names. Two other things I find interesting is one, God trusts Daniel with a vision of the future. And then God trusts Daniel over kings. Character, it matters. More than position, more than strength, more than power. It is the character of Daniel that allows him to get the revelation from God 
of these things? What kind of person does God trust with this level of influence? Another thing, another picture that I find remarkable is that the most powerful man in the world is bowing before a young Jewish exile. Who would have thought that? A day previously, he was going to be dead. And now the king is bowing before him. Things can change dramatically. And it does. It wasn't because Daniel was strong. It wasn't because Daniel was forceful. It wasn't because there was an overpowering of military force that came in and forced the king Nebuchadnezzar to bow at this young boy was in humility by the grace of God answering the question of a troubled heart and answering the prayer of a humble young man. The king was troubled. God brought the answer through Daniel to a troubled heart that put the king in a position where he bows down. Why did he bow down? Because he answered the trouble that he was facing. He's going to have little amnesia in the next chapter. This king's going through a lot of things, but it wasn't superior intellect. It wasn't power. It was humility and it was grace. All that was held as strong, the King Nebuchadnezzar has fallen before that which was weak, a young Jewish exile. What did Jesus say? First shall be last. May we learn what this means in our lives and how to apply it even today in the world we live in as we make ourselves available by allowing our character to be shaped by God for the things that we will need to do when the time comes. Let's pray. Father, what a remarkable story this is and what an incredible picture we have here. Lord, as we see the contrast between power and weakness, where we see royalty and a slave, and we see how you take that which is in power and bow it to that which has no power. Lord, you have been able to do that, and you are still able to do that. But may we also recognize what it it took was a young man willing to step into the situation, a, a person who had the character when the time was necessary to do what could be done. And Father, may we seek to be men and women with this character. May we not worry about what you want us to do, but who you want us to be so that we can do what needs to be done when our moment arises and we too stand before the King. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, mercy. Give us wisdom, give us tact. We pray in Jesus' name. May we have prudence and discretion and the humility to step into the world we find ourselves in 
to bring comfort and hope to those around us. May God empower and strengthen you to be voices of change, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. God bless you guys. Love you. Miss you. Try and stay in contact with one another, and we'll talk to you again soon. Join us on Instagram today at 5 if you can, and we'll talk to you guys later. God bless. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.